Josh, hello. Welcome to the fourth episode, question mark, of the anti I was just wondering <laughs> what episode. <laughs> no. Let I shouldn't interrupt the title. <laughs> Let me do it right. Branding. Welcome to the fourth episode of Lucy and Corey's Anti-Power Hour. RIP to our lost uh, other episode that tragically died due to my parents oh, yeah. on the internet. I'll or, forever remember that that glorious episode. <laughs> that it's it's so much better than our other episodes. People have no idea. Yeah, they'll never be that good again. They missed out. But uh, you're indoors today, which is I'm indoors. It's a storm outside. Uh, it's pretty bad. So I figured. So the superheroes will protect you. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, that was the logic behind that. Like mm-hmm. they fight off the, the lightning bolts and they might, or they command lightning bolts of their own though. That's a popular. I guess right over here I have a Superman, a Superman, a Domo playing the guitar, the Iron Giant, and Totoro. So I'm actually in pretty good hands too. Whoa, now that is a sick lineup. Imagine if that was the Avengers, you know. That would be very. That's awesome. I think I have the same Iron Giant toy you have. Cause As well you should. Kelly got me that a few years ago. And it's As well she should. A delightful movie. We should probably just talk about that movie for the entire episode. I know. It's so good. It is. I tried to make my dad watch it. I was like, look, you were approximately 10 years old the year the Iron Giant came to Earth. Did you like it? Ah, oh, dad's. Dads. Uh, someday I'll try again. He couldn't quite get his attention at the time. He's very critical. Of he's movies. just very critical in general. He's critical of movies, but oh, movies. I, it maybe could have gotten him. I don't know. I just feel like... What movies does he like? Like the Copper Giant? Uh, does he like that? <laughs> movies that's about what him. World War II. Movies that are in black and white. Your dad is the most dad to ever dad, I think. Uh, I've never met true. him, but... What from what I've heard, he's very dad. It's one hundred and ten percent dad. Mm-hmm. Now that's the, the worst segue I can think of to start talking about the uh, submersible. Hey, there's a it's a very there, elegant cat tail. The cat it's just a tail. There's no attached animal <laughs> to this. There's just a floating part. Uh, um, last time we discussed rich people buying paintings of by Hitler. Yes, which I have some sympathy for because not Hitler. Not Hitler. Not Hitler. <laughs> that was phrased. <laughs> oh man, out of context. Gold. You clarify. Gold, Jerry. No, uh, I would be tempted to buy really weird, creepy, morbid historical artifacts. I might also be. I would not. I would be too claustrophobic to go in a submersible down to the Titanic. But if I wasn't, I'd fucking get one that. Was you're too so chintzy. You're too what to do that? Claustrophobic. Oh yeah, me too. Oh man, among just I'm just generally pretty risk averse. I think I'm not very much of a daredevil. I'm um, pretty risk averse. Um, like when I went to Belize in college, I went into a cave. Um, like it was like a. And you never came out. <laughs> it was like the entrance to the mine. One of the entrances to the mine underworld, like supposedly, which was very legit. I was very claustrophobic, but I was still pissed off that the other people, the girls, would not turn off their cell phones and stuff so we could get the perfect dark. Because if you're going to go that far, let's do it for real. Let's get off the phones. <laughs> yeah, phones these days. the phones worked. They're, they're not just ruining our world. They're ruining the underworld now. <laughs> Come on. Man. <laughs> the Can't catch a break. Like, what the hell? I was sleeping. 
They're gonna be so mad. I'm gonna curse on. Maybe that's what happened to the world. Got cursed. I, I, uh, well, just to get back um, onto the topic, if that's viable for us, but I don't think I, I, I would I would venture down to the Titanic, uh, but I would love to see see it if I didn't have to experience the necessary <laughs> yeah. thing to get there, yeah. right? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't I, I wouldn't subject myself to that um, at all. I was very interested in the Titanic for several years. I'm always still a little bit interested. Um, oh, I am an annoying that guy, if I can add a fun fact. Oh, yes, uh, of course. But we should have a little know, graphic for that. Fun fact. <laughs> Lucy's fun facts. This is very low low budget here. But Fair enough. the Titanic is a very human drama. You know, it, it took two hours and 40 minutes to sink. It had three different classes. Like, it's like... You know, it's 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 theatrical. So seeing its spooky, watery grave would be interesting, but to me it's not what's most interesting about it at all. So that Oh is like should... well what's most interesting about it? Like the actual event that occurred? Like well, I can't I mean I feel like most things it's the yeah, remains are are what they are. And but like I like to go, um where did I go last summer? I went to the little bighorn battlefield. Um, oh. And that's, you know, the, it happened right there, right? Whereas the Titanic on the, on the floor of the ocean, 13,000 feet down, it didn't happen there. I mean, those, peop those people had died before they got to that bottom, you know? It's not, it's I, a historical yeah. relic, but it's not, to me, it's not even the same thing to go there and be like, yes, it happened right here. So, like, I don't know. This is an interestingly morbid, uh observation that i've never <laughs> thought of it's still the boat it's still the boat you like the ship ship damn it ship ship sorry ship um ship. i know i mean if i can if i had no claustrophobia and billions of dollars i would be judged by many a twitter leftist for spending my money on dubious <laughs> pursuits but i would get in a sub that was painted orange and had a window glass that was for 13,000 feet and more. Like the orange, why orange? Because that's like the old Nickelodeon thing? Like the, <laughs> like the orange, like that's what I'm imagining, is that? No, I mean, um, presumably, oh, they, I think they have now found wreckage, so they probably died on Sunday. That's probably bad. Right, right, right. You know, it's unpleasant to think about. But not only was this, was the submersible kind of, you know, chintzy and not well you know he didn't have a beacon and it was painted like gray the color of the ocean so conceivably they could have been on the surface and suffocated because they weren't easy to see there's a reason that life jackets are orange so you can see oh. that you <clears throat> you're know? so smart lucy that is i thought i mean orange is a great color too i thought maybe it was just that's your favorite color um, i have thought more about nautical disasters than your average person perhaps in in this current year um i don't know that much i just think about them Lu the lusitania is only 300 feet down people you can practically free dive to it don't do that you'll die but uh i'll do that don't do it so i was going on a wikipedia journey about who has ever been rescued from a submarine um and it, the track record's not great but it's happened occasionally really mm -hmm. I mean, I've never, I've been on submarines that are, you know, like 
for you know for you to go in and like look around while it's on the surface. Yeah, we I've go never, I've never gone. Center. Yeah, I've never gone into the ocean inside a submarine. Have you gone on the ocean? In like a what do you mean on like on a boat? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That's not my favorite thing. I didn't know what you meant by on the ocean. Like, did I did you walk? Did I walk water? across the Atlantic? Yeah. No. No, I yeah, they're a little scary. Um, the ocean is what ocean submarines uh, all the above. Even boats, even small boats in Belize going to an island. Belize. Yeah, I mean we're we're not fish. Are we fish? Last time I checked, we're we're, we're not equipped fish. for that. We're not equipped for for living out on the water. People in the water. Also, people also pointed out on the internet this unfortunate week is that you can probably survive longer in the vacuum of space than you can. I mean, at that depth, like, oh, really? they say you can probably survive a minute or two in the vacuum of space and you definitely can't survive a minute yeah. or two at that depth. So, yeah, we are squishy, delicate creatures. Um, Very squishy. it's time to become orbs of light of transhumanist light. So that yeah, doesn't sound that funny. Much funny either though. This flesh prison blows. Let's what do you do as an orb though? What are you going to do as an orb? I don't. I don't know. That's just like the most future thing I could think of as being an orb. The most future thing, yeah. <laughs> being an orb. Uh-huh. I mean, I, you're not wrong there. <laughs> you're not wrong. So there is a Doctor Who uh, season finale where that sort of happens to humanity and it's real bad. So not that kind of orb. Really? Oh, okay. I'm not up on my Doctor Who episodes on any of them, really. Yeah, you should. All right. You should be. Okay. You should be. But the real question is what is the question oh yeah i'm not sure well what the, the eternal, question is the eternal thing with news um news that's big news which this submersible obviously was is that certain people never get to be the big news and the comparison in this case was there is a boat uh of several hundred refugees that I bet Greece probably said, we don't care to rescue you. Um, the, the Greek Coast Guard claims that the refugees didn't want help because they were trying to get, I don't know if there was a wet foot, dry foot type of policy where they might've actually wanted to get to land, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't buy, I don't buy it. Um, and people kept saying, you know, why don't we care more about those people? Which we obviously should. And something that struck me is that we do have this idea. The interruption of normalcy is a a story. So a rich, privileged people are so rich that they can accidentally get themselves killed under the sea. Uh, But refugees are poor and are, you know, we may not want them to suffer, but like, aren't they always suffering? It's just like the status quo over there. Like, that's just how they... You know, life interrupted, like middle class life or rich life. We get that. But refugees, that's just how it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, uh, I, I think people have, um, are, are, are right about, um, you know, the news and culture, you know, obviously reflect certain, um, certain biases. Um, and obviously I think generally, um, culture has this kind of nationalist or nativist bias. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we broadly totally underrate the suffering and the newsworthiness of refugees, for instance. Um, 
and I think those I you know I totally agree with with the people pointing that out uh, basically. But I think also you make a good point too in that you know the news and culture also selects for weirdness or novelty or like like this is a, a particularly strange event a particularly strange event to imagine yourself in in a way and there's kind of a weirdness surrounding it that i think also helps explain a little bit of of, of why it's so talked about uh, as well i mean what i was saying with the refugees also though it's bad that we think of it that way that oh poor people are always struggling so that's not a story I mean, oh, I, I, I agree for myself as a refugee as well. Um, sure. But there's something about us thinking it's supposed to be like that, not even in like a particularly callous way, just a, that's how it is. Way. Yeah, kind of complacency, I think. that. I do think when we thought this was a ticking clock situation, which it probably never actually was, that also strikes us, you know, yeah. if they had been somewhere... Uh, incapacitated and had 80 hours of oxygen left, then, you know, we, we like a, a self-written narrative and 80 hours of oxygen yeah. is a great... <laughs> yeah, people being trapped often become news stories, right? Like whether it's uh, a little... Yeah, miners, I was miners. thinking, absolutely mining um, accidents. Also, just in, individual, uh, you know, like little girls in America, the 90s news story that fall into... Wells. Down Wells. Baby or... Jessica. Right, right, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So... I guess that that's a good point too. This uh, this element of that narrative of being trapped. But I, I mean, I do. I've always tried to explain it away that way because I do kind of know what narratives I grab me, and I don't always go with the crowd. But obviously, I frequently do. But it's still there is something that's gone wrong there, um, and Americans, supposedly yeah. in particular, are pretty bad at thinking about the rest of the world. So. I don't know. Like, I don't know how we fix that. I don't know how we fix the news, much less uh, the humanity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the news is probably always going to come with some pretty bad incentives. And yeah. Stuff. I mean, I don't really watch the news. so. No, I never right. watch the news. That's yeah. totally useless as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But I didn't actually check the uh, net worth of those four people, but the discourse did greatly involved billionaires did it not um, oh yeah yeah and some people were calling other people callous and some people were probably being callous and some people were totally captivated i think by the story and were really hoping for a triumphant rescue mission yeah and well i think it's a mistake to to take the like you like you said like uh, you know, it is a problem that um, news underreports on the deaths of poor people or refugees, etc. Um, but you know, I don't know how to how to how to like like people go too far in the other direction, and you take the callousness the 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 callousness in one hand to justify callousness in this case. Like, just because people are callous in regards to refugees doesn't mean we should be callous in regards to non-refugees or something. It's like, two wrongs don't make a right. Um, and, like, so the reaction of, like, oh, well, let's just extend the callousness and narrow our circle of empathy even more because other people somewhere else are not having the appropriate moral reaction. That's just an absurd sort of approach to things. And it's depressing to see it. It also comes down, though, to this idea that, like, it's a very normy thing to mourn everyone's death equally. So... You know, when Donald Rumsfeld died, we should immediately have been like, oh, <laughs> family. 
Like, yes, I'm not going to go punch them in the face about it. But, you know, if Henry Kissinger was on that submersible or, a, you know, an adorable cherub-faced child, like, I mean, which one do you care about more? Like, some people, right. it's the assumption that all rich people are sort of the top-tier evil in a way that I don't fully embrace. The very fact that they have that much money often comes down to people talking about it as if, not that they used a system that benefited them or these other reasons, but they're rich directly because people are poor. Like, it's like a one and then the other thing. As if there's only been $500 since the world began, and they took it from a poor person. And that's not how wealth works, if nothing else. Giddy. I, hello Felix, yes, some major thoughts. I, yeah, I don't know, I, I think I disagree on maybe the extent to which I think the uh, super wealthy get their money from positive sum exchanges like you're de- describing, which leftists do underrate, um, versus negative sum exchanges, rent seeking, things like that, which I think um, is I, uh, uh, it tends to be a greater source of the wealth of the extreme wealthy. But I don't even think this is super relevant, I think, to even get to the stage where you're debating the 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 merits or lack thereof of, of, of billionaire wealth. I don't even see why that's relevant to the question of ought we take, should we take glee, um, like actively, like in, in, in the suffering and deaths of people because that's also different from what you said. Like, I may not mourn the deaths of people. I don't mourn the deaths of most people. Most people who die, I never know. They're strangers to me. And I, so, uh, you know, so it's totally like to, to not mourn someone. Well, that's makes sense uh, if they're, if there's someone who's not part of your life uh, necessarily, but to like actively take glee and to like cultivate this and to like think that's like reflective of like an emotionally proper uh, attitude and response yeah. to things, I think is the thing where it's like becomes like corrupting um, and it, and, it, it disorients uh, ourselves, I think, and and then and then who knows where we're taking glee, uh, or what deaths we're taking glee, and then next, I, I, it all doesn't sit well with me. I mean, to try to push against that, I guess, like there is a certain system set up, and some people are very screwed, and you know, I don't know if you want to call it uh, socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor. I've heard some people described it as, which is not maybe accurate to the definitions we might use, but at least sort of gets the point across. We don't necessarily have a limited amount of empathy, but in practice, maybe we do. And we certainly have a limited attention span. So to be sort of instinctually annoyed by the disproportionate coverage of this is one thing. A lot of it's pure edgelording though, you know? Like Yes. And I think it's okay to be annoyed at disproportionate coverage. For the reasons we kind of got into, but even still, that's independent of just this approval and uh, of glee in, in in what actually occurred. And like, what's the contest? Like, how do you win the the edge lord contest? If you, um, you know, not only do I not feel that bad, but I hope they suffered as long as possible. Yeah. I don't hope Henry Kissinger suffers as long as possible when he yeah. dies. Which, you know, check my watch, but. uh yeah. Like, because what good would that do? Anything. Right, right. Yes, I think I think this is a very, and, and it is difficult to resist. Take the most extreme cases of, of someone like Hitler 
or yeah. some of the very worst people ever in history. And and it's difficult to resist the temptation to want them to pointlessly suffer, not just to right. end their uh, harm towards others, which is a, a good and, of course, right. righteous and necessary goal. But to on top of that, to uh, to both find this extra suffering justifiable and to think it's like it should be a source of joy to others. I, th I, th I think we should resist that temptation. It, even in these difficult cases. Um, it, it's bad for us, but I can't prove that to these people that it's bad for your, you know, metaphorical soul. Cause. I don't well, know. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, what you say about the system, I totally, totally agree with and righteous anger can be a thing. I think, I think anger absolutely is an emotionally appropriate uh, and morally appropriate attitude in many cases. Um, it can be disproportionate, but anger, but no, I think no anger at anything, no anger at severe injustice. I mean, that's, that seems like an inappropriate emotional response. So anger, sure. But this like glee and pointless suffering, I, I don't really know how to square any of that with a lot of other views and attitudes that left-wingers uh, often profess in regards, you know, when it's cases like the death penalty. Or prison, or prison yeah. abolition, and it's like we're Absolutely. so against pointless suffering. There, we just want purely defense and restoration as far as we can get it, as far as is viable. But the whole the whole opposition to those things seems a lot grounded on on the fact that pointless suffering is bad for everyone involved, mm -hmm. uh, however karmic it feels to us in the moment. Yeah, I mean, the, some of these same people might have you know cringed at the description of a. California gas chamber in 1980 and, you know, some mass rapist murderer choking to death for 45 minutes and they wouldn't be like, sweet, unless that person had killed their loved one. Because most, a lot of those people feel like that's, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. And then you can get too tedious, like, you know, <clears throat> bro, technically Hitler never killed anyone. So like, well. you know, or the people powerful people above it all who probably caused some misery is that worse etc blah 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 i just like it's bad can't you tell it's bad for you to behave like this to think in those terms i don't know i think yeah. it's a tragedy in the cases when somebody's death and i'm not not these people in particular when someone's death is is good for the world that is a tragedy it's like i high-fived my now husband when kim kim jong-il died you know yeah and also it's like what what an unfortunate thing that someone can live their life in a way that their death is is good that's yeah that's a tragedy in itself yes I, I i agree with that and i don't think anything about about trying to resist those those temptations to uh take joy in pointless suffering has to deny anything about what you're saying about sometimes Right. Like it's obviously good for the world for some person's activities to cease uh, yep. if the activities they're engaged in is, is harm towards others and, and stuff like that. So uh, it's difficult to rain. And, it's, and, and and I think there's a lot of kind of moral issues that point in different directions. And so I get why there's a lot of, I think, um, sometimes nuanced even disagreements here. But it's also been depressing to see some of the worst kinds of reactions, Yeah, both in, both in the direction of, oh, well, I, I hope they suffer as much as possible and that makes me happy to the other direction, the, as we were discussing earlier, of um, a sort of defensiveness, a sort of defensive posture of like, um, of, of a lot of callousness towards the groups that people think the news should cover more of, like refugees or other mm -hmm. suffering um, that I think people get pushed into there. So I've seen both of that and it's depressing. 
Oh my gosh, I had a bunch of segues, and now I don't know what they were. Um, one other thing, though, perfect segue. Is, is the fact that there was a father and son on there, and I don't know if the lesson yeah. here is don't trust your parents that much, but, like, I saw some weird, weird talk about, like, well, he wasn't a child, he was 19. So, which, like, a leftist will be saying, <clears throat> in, in the same way that a right-winger is like, darn it, our 19-year-olds play video games now, and they used to storm Normandy. And, like, have you looked yeah. at the faces of some of those 19-year-olds who have... <laughs> well, <laughs> like, they look often... like babies, you know? Yeah. So, like, are we really doing that? Well, oh, as soon as, you know, two years, a year and a half, two years ago, he stopped being someone we can feel sympathy right. for, someone whose life was barely getting started, who presumably trusted their father not to make a quite bad decision. I mean... Like, what does yeah. it cost you to, to, like, not be happy about that? Or, like, he was a fucking adult legally, so I don't care. Like, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's no, very it's, it's, strange. That's an exceedingly strange sort of line of argument. And I think feels kind of very ad hoc, defense of the feelings you, that that person already has towards the situation. Because, okay. like you said, it's so, it's so absurdly arbitrary. And it doesn't matter. And it gets used in the other direction, like, especially... Not just what you said, but uh, issues of like cop killings of of, of, of young men. Oh yeah, he and, was an adult. He was a 12, yeah, 15 year this, old. With a... It's just so whatever the issue, you know, whatever partisan side, you can like sort of say one thing about what has what someone age suggests about their moral culpability or not, and it's all and none of it really matters what their age is. Why does that matter? Like you said, I mean, only that, and it, it almost sounds too religious sometimes. But you know, you know, what has a five-year-old ever done in life? Like all they've done is not get to live life so far. So, oh no, sure. I mean, I agree about that. There's, you know, uh, uh, with small children and young people, of course. But like, the, my point was that why would it change in the sense of like, like why do you get to a certain age and then and then the sympathy goes away, like you had said, yeah. like that it doesn't make any sense to me and that age is the legal age of adulthood in america except for drinking that's the age where <laughs> it's right, very right. conveniently picked yeah i also think that some of the people the not edgelords but the ones who pride themselves on this being a deep political point i feel like they're the same people who think every revolution is good and that you know they want to yeah. bring up the guillotines every five minutes they're really stoked about it yeah. They're the naive ones that are like, well, if we just kill all the people that are maybe bad, everything will be great yeah. <laughs> for all yeah. of us. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think, a lot of that, and, you know, especially in the political circles and uh, that uh, we run in radical circles, anarchist circles. And it's a really a mistake. It misunderstands anarchism, of course. It's, and, and not just in terms of like endorsing this bloodlust, I think, and like pointless violence, but in terms of like misunderstanding the anarchist critique of things, like you said, as if it was just those people over there that were oppressing us now, and we just had to get rid of them instead of something about systems and institutions. Um, and just yeah. that, the, this is why every child in middle school should be made to read The Hunger Games, because... Uh, I've never read The Hunger Games, so I've seen the, the movies. The third book has a, I mean, it's a, it's a bit sloppy, but... To me, the overriding message in a lot of that is that a very justifiable war will still destroy you as a person and will destroy a lot of other things, which I yeah. think is quite a message for a YA book to hold, but it really, like, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely got some of that from the films, um, I guess. It's been a while since I saw them, but um, I do recall thinking they had an interesting and unexpected take as the series progressed of, of oh, this isn't. This isn't as triumphant as uh, 
I had hoped or expected. And it's like because, that. yes, and it's because of the of that approach of of not understanding maybe the systems at play. Um, yeah. And and I was and to like this is a total whiplash from that to like everything I've learned about the Haitian Revolution, the most justifiable revolution I've ever heard of. It was also it got so bad and such sadistic violence. And in that case, I'm not going to be like, I would have done better because, right. you know, but at the same time, you're like, wow, the most justifiable reason to rise up. And it still turned into some stuff that if nothing else, you probably shouldn't be like, yeah, that's great. You know, like, oh, have I... you learned yet that from from soldiers that like killing people is bad for most of us? Yeah, you know? yeah. And oh, the yeah, people yeah. who are in the people who have problems are the ones that it's not bad for <laughs> that doesn't yeah. damage them. Yeah, I mean, even defensive killing can. I mean, I've I've heard many people speak about how you know they had some experience and they had to defensively kill someone or shoot someone, um, and how it has such a psychic toll. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's defensive to like it matters in terms of its moral justifiability, but the effect it has on your psyche and your character and your soul metaphorical or otherwise. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think people really underrate that. It's really easy to, I think, look at all this systems analysis, like we've been saying about, you know, from this anarchist lens and then, and then kind of, it, it feels natural to have maybe that, that impulse um, of, of, of revolution by any means. Mm-hmm. Um but, but ultimately, it ends up being very empty and expressive and, and totally overrates how useful revolutions are, um, even when they're undertaken by the oppressed, and then many times have, and then lead to perhaps something also bad or, or maybe something worse. Not all, you know, so. I mean, what they call accelerationism to me smacks of right wing oh, yeah. uh, sort of chaos and overgrowing stuff. And that obviously sounds bad to us, and revolution sounds almost inherently like yeah i mean at right. least in most cases but they can be almost the same thing sometimes like you got just you gotta be real careful with that stuff um oh no yeah and, and, and i we're too cautious even rhetorically on that i think we've talked about that a little bit but still i mean i think the vibe on the left and among anarchists is not cautious enough in some ways and just oh definitely of course it'll oh. be better if we you know i talk, throw it yeah. all aside and overturn it all yeah, I totally agree. And it's not not cautious because of conservative critiques that are like free, you know, freedom is inherently, you know, comes with all these, these these risky downsides. I usually disagree on that stuff. But I agree, it's not cautious in the sense of thinking the best way to get to freedom is or increasing freedom marginally, even as some sort of mass violent revolutionary sort of activity, um, where I think that's do- doomed to unleash more than you intend, more violent, you know, it's, it's, it's like playing with fire. Right. And, and so there's these prudential concerns and public choice concerns about the incentives involved and like what you're setting up. Um, and, and it doesn't seem in general, I don't think as, as conducive to freedom as, 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 as people who support freedom think. Um, I mean, think of all the CIA assassinations throughout the 20th century, frequently of terrible despots. Um, right. And how bad, uh the u.s did it you know helped it in guatemala and i believe that resulted in the 30-year civil war um obviously iran is you know british and u.s i forget all who was involved in that that gave you know iran the wonderful theocracy they have today 
people who do in fact suck. I mean, Saddam Hussein, things things got a little dicey. I think I might pick living under Saddam Hussein um, as opposed to ISIS, you know? And maybe now it's, uh, well, great, we don't have either, but, <laughs> you know, getting rid of the bad guy is, there's so much more right. to think about, you know? Right. Otherwise, we would be great neocons thinking the CIA can just... The, yeah, know, one gun and one poison umbrella can fix everything. Yeah, I think that's a funny, a funny but very um, illuminating analogy. Actually, yeah. Um, I mean, leftists trust the people more, right? But well, no, yeah. The point is just that regime change is not itself a solution, right? I mean, it's about, I guess, developing a viable alternative regime, hopefully with more liberty. Uh, you know, and so that's the hard part. It's it's much easier to change a regime. But to like replace it with something more viable um, and better is very difficult and takes time and takes like, you know, bottom up, decentralized, you know, gradual processes, I think, and doesn't happen um, overnight, whether from like a revolution inside the country or some sort of intervention, you know, from the outside. And if, if nothing else, you, you would need a lot of both, you know, the, the very scary to the U.S. government Black Panthers uh would feed kids right like you gotta you gotta do all the the social stuff that i unfortunately don't do <laughs> um you gotta build that society uh before you break the old one and maybe you can push yeah. the fall of the old one even yeah yeah I, I mean we're totally in agreement with that um and it's frustrating to see what feels like such expressive bloodlust like you said get out the guillotines like um amongst radicals Sounds with that like, with aspirational, you know, ideals, but I mean, the guillotines at some point is just the helicopter, like the Pinochet, uh, libertarians, uh, so-called libertarians deciding to go fascist. The many I, yeah. jokes about helicopters and Pinochet, and you know how we throw all the commies out and stuff. I mean, I don't see much of a difference there at all. I tend to treat them the same, and I think they're. There, there are variations on the same sort of mistake, both analytical and emotional, um, and it's a shame. And it's totally ahistorical, especially because the guillotine being used against other radicals and anarchists, uh, very commonplace at the time um, that we associate with it. So uh, it's, 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 it's so strangely short-sighted in a way, and that's why it feels so expressive, and, then, and that's why it feels so annoying, uh, I guess. Um, it doesn't even really feel connected to oh, I have a concrete, like, idea here of how I can, like, make society better in some way. It's just, right now, that person's bad, and, yeah. I mean, maybe often they're right, but that's, we need more than that. Yes, and this is the root of conspiracy and, and that way of looking at the world and that way of viewing at the world and thinking it's a conspiracy among those people, and so we have to get out those people who are conspiring against us, right. and then things would be solved, and it's all, you know, it's all a problem of, like, those people over there with their plans. That's, um, I think that's one great reason why people are conspiracy theorists, because what to me does not sound reassuring and sounds like an impossible godlike level of control to them often is, well, if you just kill all 12 members of the Bilderberg, uh, right. Mason, you know, whatever society, and then we'll be free. Yeah. Whereas to me, if yes. that's how it went, everything I believe about human nature would be wrong. <laughs> And the amount right. of control that those the puppet masters, you know, yes. But they like there's one enemy we can slay, and then the book ends, and we're all happy. And yeah, you know, yeah. That's not how it goes. It's yeah, it's 
it's it's a very it's a very easy kind of worldview I think uh, to have. There's a great article on C4SS by uh, Logan Glitterbaum about that talks about a lot of this about um, you know all the way from the protocols protocols the elders of Zion yeah. to to modern day QAnon and how and how you know they 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 sort of lack that that looking at institutions that you need to get a real solution or to really understand what's going on um and so you know sometimes radicals get caught you know i think get seduced in a way by like these much easier ways of like explaining oppression and remedying hopefully oppression um and 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 it's very frustrating and and it's it's a shame too because it it totally goes against um and is is really unreconcilable with generally the, the the anarchist way of looking at the world because what it is right i mean adam smith talks about like the man of system you know the person who looks at society and sees a chessboard and sees mm-hmm. instruments to be kind of manipulated and moved um without any choice or will of their own or motion of their own and that's just that but in reverse where you think that you're on you're one of the chess pieces and these other people up there are the men of system that have acquired this massive level of control and coordination and secrecy um, that doesn't seem like it would be possible or viable when you think about um, why people think the government is bad at doing stuff or why, like the whole point of anarchism is that you couldn't control society like a chessboard. But if you think it already is being controlled like a chessboard and it's just by the wrong people, you're not an anarchist anymore. Or you're really lost the plot. Suddenly you're the most normie Democrat in the world in some ways. Like that <laughs> well, the best guy in charge of you know the state and i don't know when the republican runs for office again forget everything you ever knew and all your confidence in the government till the next democrat yeah yeah no you're totally right i mean there's a kind of a a a weaker you know less comprehensive version of this same exact ideology or same worldview at play and just the ordinary like statist ideology that you know, runs American politics and like viewing your guy as the guy to fix things. Right. And it's just a question of like, who has the reins of the state. Okay. Then. And obviously harm reduction exists. You can have a worse guy and a better guy. Oh yeah. I don't mean to deny that. <laughs> and we've got into that. But I mean, that sometimes it turns, it turns into like, well, you know, nuclear war and welfare are both <laughs> fueled by tax dollars. So they're exactly the same. I'm straw manning, but not that far, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah. You're, you're tempted for cutting the budget of the of the state. I'm going to end with cutting, you know, libraries and public defenders. Like I'm going to do it in an order. I'm not going to. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I mean, conspiracy theorists people like get stuck in the in that mode of like, well, their people their people are never in charge, so they just stay in critical mode. Whereas like the ordinary Republicans or Democrats, they're taking turns with who's in charge, so they take turns with making like what are ultimately probably unnuanced and, and opportunistic criticisms of the other people in power, but then making complete, like you said, apologetics and like uh, just f- uh, ignoring uh, the bad things that their people do when they're in power. Cause that's what you have to do by the logic of the system. I'm actually now starting to think that not only is conspiracy dangerous because it's, you know, MK Ultra, notwithstanding, like usually conspiracy is not true or is unproven. Um, but a, maybe, maybe <clears throat> a very belief in the possibility of that level of control is actually more foundationally problematic because then you do believe in that possibility of control that humans can't be controlled. And suddenly, if you pass, you know, the drug law and the anti sex worker law and 
uh, you know, don't let the kids read that, then everyone will follow the law because that's what you said and that's that. And it's it's the irresistible impulse that everyone has, yeah. you know, including for something that sounds more understandably tempting, like guns, you know, like, okay, there was a horrifying massacre. Let's ban the guns. And yeah. therefore people react in kind. And the refusal to accept that that is not how it works and will ever work is... Yeah, I mean, that's such a huge thing. If you think the the world runs on a conspiracy, then the question is, how do you get in on the conspiracy? <laughs> Almost like that's the natural like, and it's not and it's not just these, you know, because, you know, you take conspiracy broadly enough, right? Like it's, it, it, well, you know, all human action, all cooperation involves people planning and cooperating mm-hmm. to do something together, right? But like what people have in mind, what conspiracy theorists have in mind is one big conspiracy. It's like, it's like, not that, you know, it's not just MK Ultra or, or MLK being killed by the, the FBI, mm-hmm. which now we know are accurate. It's that these are all like united by some sort of grand conspiracy and they're all interconnected and reveal this over this, like, over, 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 um, this, this totally totalitarian sort of vision, um, where instead of like, yes, of course, I mean, the world is made up of decentralized conspiracies all interacting in a way but like it's where you take where you, where you get to the point where you think there's one big conspiracy running everything so that's very q anon to me that that was the ultimate it's like um a meta study whatever they call a study of of, of scientific studies you know like yeah it was like yeah. all conspiracies under the conspiracy will take it yeah they're all legitimate they're all under this banner of pizzagate lizards etc yeah yeah people. and that goes back for q anon i mean I mean, the history of conspiracies is very interesting. Um, I mean, in, in many ways, you don't get fascism without conspiracies and viewing the world as run by this interconnected group. I mean, cabal itself as a term um, is specifically related to Jewish origins, um, and people use it just more generally now. Um, and that this, you know, there's a lot of stuff done on why conspiracy theorists tend to all settle on Jews as the ultimate conspirators. Um, there's sort of this convergence on classic on on that. Um, uh, so yeah, it's 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 very frustrating. Um, but it's not. I I don't think it's anything particularly new to QAnon. David Ick also did a lot of stuff in the '90s where he started where he was connecting a lot of the popular conspiracies sort of together. And so, yeah, you know, sort of amalgamating them into one big plan. I saw um, him speak and wrote an article about it. Yeah. And, you know, I interviewed various people. Some seemed perfectly nice. One referenced Hitler in a very concerning way. <laughs> it was for journalism, for journalistic reasons. It was, though, it was a fun day, though. I saw him speak for six hours out of 12, which is insane. I couldn't do but that. But the ending to my article I couldn't have wished for it. You know, it was just there. So I'm getting into my Uber to leave. And I heard two women talk about the protocols of the elders of Zion as if it was real. And that was the last thing I heard from this crowd. I was like, well, there's my ending also. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Doing that? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty major in Ick stuff. I've read some of his stuff. They're pretty major. He makes a very uh, a major attempt of his to say, you know, okay, there, there are these protocols. Oh, everyone mistakenly thinks that they're bunked and they're not. He also makes a concerted effort to, um, he, 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 he's very much aware, uh, of the anti-Semitism and he, you know, um, what now, what his views are on the anti-Semitism are another question. He's aware. 
and so the, he also makes a, a fairly concerted attempt at saying, hey, let's rename them. I don't want the anti-Semitic connotations. So he he uh, he calls for renaming the protocols of the elders of. I can't remember now, Lizard. and I wish I, I wish I could. I think perhaps just the elites um, or some. It was it was a generic, That's a much more, more generic. From him than I realized because I have only seen him speak, and he seems almost kind of guileless and sort of optimistic when he speaks. Like, oh, the world is run by lizard people, but you know we can do something about it. And his well, that's how his that's how his books are too. And I okay. think that's a major appeal of it. Really appeals to uh, people with that kind of new agey sense of, like you said, optimism and sense of hope and sense of like love conquering all. I mean, he makes very explicit arguments that kind of connect these new age concepts of like love to like his half-baked views on science and like quantum mechanics. There's a lot of yeah, stuff going on. Sure. Um, but I didn't mean to say that he, because my read of him trying to rename the protocols is not positive. I mean, I think it's ultimately a, a very decept deceptive attempt mm -hmm. at uh, further submerging the anti-Semitic roots and ultimately anti-Semitic conclusions and, 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 you know, disguising them as something that's much more moderate and appealable to the average person. And then only later do you get to the, to the arguments, well, the Holocaust, you know, didn't happen like we thought, or it. Does he, does he talk about that specifically? Yeah, yeah, he definitely, he definitely engaged in Holocaust denial and more generally blames the Holocaust among also the world wars and slavery and a lot of things on uh, Jews and international Jewish uh, financiers. Uh, or and in some ways just also kind of victim blames the Jews during the Holocaust in terms of so it's a lot of the usual I mean these, these aren't original yeah. arguments to him but they they do come along in you know uh, mixed in with all of this well you know love will will win the day and you know so, I mean I mean I I encourage anyone to to actually read his stuff I think I don't know if anyone listening here would find any of it persuasive I hope you don't especially because we're of the, what we're saying but it's interesting to first of all it's entertaining in its own perverse way mm -hmm. um once you accept that it's meant sincerely or at least meant in a way that's meant to convince others for some purpose then it's depressing but it's also enlightening to to get a sense of i think because it really explains a lot i mean it in particular but just generally the conspiracists and you can see ways of going wrong with reasoning and ways of going wrong with radical well-intentioned ideas that you know and and see and see lines of argument that pop up elsewhere, um, even in more uh, mainstream, less fringe uh, people. Um, I don't know. I think it's interesting stuff um, and, and terrible and terrible stuff. I mean, I think he's one of the worst uh, popular authors uh, in, in the last 50 years in terms of his effect on our culture and stuff. And a lot of people don't know his name, but his stuff is totally percolated into the general culture. I'm sure more people are sort of... Um you know, jokingly aware of the like lizard people, reptilians concept than they are, than they know his name to be sure. Yeah. And a lot of, I've interacted with people who I saw a thread on Twitter that was asking, you know, what are the, what are the more harmless conspiracies? I'm curious, you know, all the conspiracies are so bad. We talk about the bad ones. What are the harmless ones without, and someone, you know, well-intentioned and sincerely said that, well, that people think lizards run the world. And I had to jump in and say, well, that's not necessarily harmless. If you actually connect, uh, uh, go back to, um, the originators of that view and stuff, it's absolutely connected to anti-Semitism and stuff, uh, uh, like all the other conspiracies. I used to try to hope for, um, like, 
to find the you know the the least bad billionaire, the least damaging conspiracy theory. I'm always on the hunt for these things. Um, and I used to you know back in the day, Alex Jones was always out of his mind. But you know, I read John Ronson's book where he and Alex Jones like sneak into Bohemian Grove and like have wacky adventures. So like the appeal of just like the weirdness. You know, from the from the days of the weirder, less contained, less corporate internet, it somehow for sure it wasn't everywhere as much. Presidents hadn't gone on Alex Jones, um, but I mean, I mean, like now I'm starting to think, God, like the X Files was probably a net bad for humanity because the you know the, there's so much shit about vaccinations in there and like the the level of yeah, it's all a story, and I love that story, but. I don't know some of these some of these ideas. I've never spread. I've never watched the X Files, uh, but I, there's I'm like a, a small aware pox, of... big smallpox vaccine conspiracy. Mm. I forget. Well, it's like I, a tagging I, system for humans and the aliens. It's been a little while, but <laughs> I see. Well, yeah. uh, so, you know, kind of analogously, at least something I'm much more familiar with um, is the Matrix. I think that's a very interesting question too. Is the Matrix a net bad? Are we living in the world of the Matrix, not in the sense of some AI world, but in a world where everyone thinks they're living in the Matrix and everyone thinks they're Neo? I mean, there is there a uh, in terms of the zeitgeist and cultural symbolism, the red pill is Ugh, those poor really up there. Are so annoyed by what happened with that, and I don't blame. Them. I couldn't imagine. I'm annoyed. I mean, I grew up loving the Matrix. It's a beautiful movie. Um, and they intended it as an allegory for nothing right wing, but but radical left wing I mean, anarchist and trans allegory as well as become more apparent. And the idea that their the symbol one, was hijacked is so depressing. There's the one character who they th- initially supposedly thought about they would be, you know, female in the Matrix and yeah. male in the outside world or vice versa. And I'm like, oh, come on, you could have gotten away with that level of shielding. You know, Hollywood would have been like, wait a minute, it's a secret trans propaganda like they, they, they could have pushed for more of that and it still could have been co-opted i'm quite sure uh yeah anything can be co-opted is so obnoxious to me because yeah, it's any... just another lingo of you know like yeah. oh the red pill the i'm white pilled about the black pill <laughs> i mean anything can be co-opted i think is the unfortunate truth but also some things are more easily co-opted than others and i do think it's interesting and enlightening and and helps especially fans of the matrix um and especially fans of the Matrix who read a lot of their politics in the Matrix, like uh, radical anarchists, which I don't think is totally wrong at all. But but useful for them, I think, would be to step back and see how it's easy to go wrong with the Matrix and the worldview presented by the Matrix and the kind of attitudes and impulses. That, and and, and you, you can see why it was hijacked. Um, and I think you can see why so many people, I mean, speaking of, of the Matrix and David Ick, that is a huge term for David Ick, huge. And that, a lot of that goes from before oh, the yeah, movie. Yes, a lot of that goes from before the movie came out in 99. He was writing that stuff in the early mid nineties. Um, and, you know, so I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's, it's there's so many ways to go wrong with like trying to really see, see you know, get past um, your, you know, cultural presuppositions you grew up with and seeing past them and thinking about things deeper as you mature and trying to get to the root of things and being radical and, you know, in, the, in that sense of stuff. Um, so many ways to go wrong with it and to be misled as well. And it's hard. Um, and even something I think as grand as the matrix, which in many ways I think 
pushed me towards some of those views or at least made me more open to them once I encountered them in more explicit forms later on. Cool. Even something like The Matrix, um, you know, has such an enduring and in some ways negative effect on our culture. It's hard. It's very pressing. I mean, that's why I guess I start to think maybe, you know, I shouldn't blame anyone thing like as much as, much as anti-religious I am, I can name so many really amazing people who are better than I will ever be, who in fact, you know, believed very strongly, often in Christianity, the ones I'm aware of, but I'm sure other religions too, you know, I mean, yeah. in some ways, a lot of things are what you make of them, what you take out of them, which almost makes me think, you know, it's, yeah. it's again, like, what kind of person you are already. Um, yeah, and it almost maybe, which starts to make me feel like it's fatalistic. I don't want that either. But some people are I very think, good no matter what and they take good out of things that are neutral if nothing else i think there's a lot of truth to that i think taken too far yeah you're right it, it is fatalism i guess it, it's wrong to take that too far but it's also wrong to just to say um yeah to to, to make those sort of comprehensive sort of judgments about say something like religion and and how it maybe interacts with the, with the given person's life and behavior and values um yeah I mean, I've softened on religion a lot over the years. I'm not religious. Yeah. And I've talked about it a little bit. I guess maybe not. I don't know if we've talked about it, but, but it, um, it, 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 what, what do we mean? We're talking about religion. I mean, a lot of people, you know, the abstract theological views, which I view as unjustified and, and sometimes I think sort of corrupting in terms of, um, your ability to navigate the world. And maybe like, uh, and, but, but at the same time, religion, I think came about in large part because it really did help us solve various collective action problems. And it, that's why it goes with community and ritual and these sorts of things, which is what a lot of religious people, I think, center more of their relationship to it on than like the abstract theological arguments or philosophical debates. Um, and that stuff is sort of that, but, it, but most of it is just this, you know, it's habits, it's your community. It's like, you know, a place to go on Sundays, a place to go where, you know, and so that role, I mean, we're going to need something to replace that. We're going to need something better that, that can help solve collective action problems. If we're going to, if we're going to move beyond religion. Just go to Unitarian church. I used to go to Unitarian <laughs> church. They sing hymns that are like vague, vaguely positive hymns that have, you know, cut God out of them. Like, everyone yeah. be nice. Love. Yeah. Yeah. And I've gone to, you know, me and my wife went to a, a number of Quaker services, which really, really rewarding. Um, the Quakers are cool as far as religions go. I think they're super non-hierarchical. Historically, they get so many of the points, you know. Yeah, they're super, you know, historically, they're very interesting and, and very amenable to, to, to radicals, to pacifists in particular. I met people there who had, mm -hmm. uh, I met an old man there who was wearing, you know, these buttons and he was talking about protesting Vietnam all the way back in the day. And like, so, and they're totally non-hierarchical, you know, and a lot of the things about religion that I find unfavorable and, and don't really make sense to me, uh, it, it jettisons that, I think, to, to some degree. And we've, and you would just, we would just go 7 a.m. on, on, in the morning and you sit in, you sit in, well, we like, it was kind of a way, hey, yeah. we used to get up early and we'd go and it was kind of this, this big room and you just sit for silence in an hour. So it's kind of like meditation in a way, yeah. I mean. So crossover, perhaps. it was, it was a lot of fun, um, and valuable. And I would encourage anyone to check out if they have like Quaker stuff around. It was very cool. And we don't have to be Quakers to go and experiment. 
I also have been meaning to look up Sikhs more because some of their found like their founding guy in the 15th century was like ladies are just as swell as the fellas. And there's some other good stuff. I, is that what he said? Something like that. Is that yeah. an exact quote? <laughs> All the stuff I read. This is straight up Wikipedia. But well, still, news, I was like, what else now did pretty legit. So Very interesting. Shout out to. No, I mean, that. I mean, there's there's a reason. There's got to be a reason religion's been so enduring. It's not random. And it's. Is it not just the fear of the dark? I mean. Okay, but 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 then but then why is the fear of the dark so enduring? And are we getting rid of that anytime soon? You know, so then. You know, I mean, I'm I'm worried. I would be worried if we can't develop these alternative forms of community um, or sources of meaning and narrative in our lives. If we can't develop, you know, non you know, are are they somehow inherently tethered to these religions and these like symbols and conceptions of of the supernatural and and various things? Like, I don't. They have been. They have been for thousands of years, yeah. and I hope they're not. We're finding out, I guess. But I mean, there's some good I mean, stories, gonna... you know. In hero's journey like there's a re- Scientology sucks um because it's like a cheap low budget sequel um to, to i love like that old religions where you know yeah. jesus <laughs> you got a cool like prequel with his birth and then you have you know i don't know like you have a sort of compelling man you know it's not just oh absolutely gobbledygook about Zenu and boeings and i love that description of scientology though i think that's so accurate i mean stories are Stories are enduring. Stories and humanity go together like peanut butter and jelly. And like, I've, I've definitely, I think, softened on religion more to the extent that I've kind of critically reflected on um, just on the genre of superheroes and, and the role that, that, like you said, these characters or these heroes' journeys play in our lives. I mean, I mean, the tension between the godly and the human that underlies Jesus absolutely underlies Superman and many, many, many superhero conflicts and their conflicts with their identity, civilian yeah. and super. And you find these themes all throughout. And, and so it made me reflect more and see that, you know, this stuff's much older than, than the 1930s uh, and, and is appealing. I mean, but like, yeah. you know, Superman, I'm sure, you know, he's done everything because every comic, everything is possible that has happened has happened. To <laughs> but, you know, our best, most uh, Boy Scout Superman is, you know, the appeal is very simple. Someone with that power uh, being that kind and decent and human. I mean, the, God, you're in comparison to Jesus. That's very intriguing. But so much of religion is not about the human slash divine man of Jesus. It's about an insane list of rules that have caused so much misery. The interpretation of them has caused even more misery. Um, you know, yeah. it's the rules the, the, the theorized punishment, that's always the most insane to me. I mean, right. Of late, you know, the last COVID years, I've been annoyed by, you know, lack of science being a thing, but also I don't, you know, I'm not very, I was liberal arts, but at the end of the day, religion is most bad to me because of what it does to people. Not because it, not as much because it destroys certain critical reasoning, maybe, but more the idea that people get, tormented people get spiritually tormented by their own parents you know they develop ocd about like everyone will die and will go to hell if i don't every day and like like it terrifies people and i learned more and more about that from the reddit fundy snark reddit uh stuff about the duggers that's it's a baptist subsect but it's 
bigger than you wish it was. It's more dangerous. It's more powerful in the United States. And they just torment people for their entire lives. And it's, there's nothing good about it from what I can tell. And I honestly became more down in religion entirely from reading people's stories and then how some of them, many of them escaped from that life, but just like, it's doing nothing for anyone, that kind of religion. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely agree with that. I, I don't know it myself. I was, I was not raised religious, right? My parent, my, I wasn't either. And that's why I wasn't right. pissed off at religion for so long because nobody, <laughs> to, all I had right. to do was not swear around the other homeschoolers I knew because they were re- religious. Like that's all, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've definitely gotten to know people who grew up religious and then later became not religious who have a, even harsher than me for many of these reasons perspective on it. And that makes a lot of sense. And I, I agree with that. I think, um, I think that's definitely one of the worst things that, religion continues to get us it's this i really think it's a degradation of the worldly of the material right i mean it's this obsession with always with some promised uh you know supernatural end to us whether good or bad whether above or below i mean forget the world yeah right forget the now forget the world and i think that and this tension is reflected in Jesus and like mm-hmm. to go back to that kind of dichotomy. And like, so ultimately I think like, right. To go too far to, to the disrespecting the human, the material, uh, mm-hmm. this world and being obsessed with the, uh, a later world or another world. Uh, and it might just be the world of your imagination. And you know, the, that I agree can have horrible psychic effects. I mean, I've met people that have suffered that. Or even like when it, when I started thinking too much about it, I think like I would have been like Jesus, buddy, you don't have to do this. I swear to God, like, like <laughs> go like you're a, you seem like a, a pretty cool guy. You got some great ideas. <laughs> you just like I don't know, like flee flee somewhere. Just like you don't have to do this, man. Yeah, I mean, there's I I kind of love the idea of like kind of like a whole in Jesus, like you know, hey, come on, like. Come on, bud. Why do you want um, somebody who apparently was that intelligent and enlightened to be, you know, killed at 32 in a very unpleasant fashion? Yeah. And you have, you know, you have a similar issue with Socrates. There's, there's a lot of words in my yeah, with him I as historical figure. Yeah, I mean, he's a lot older than that. He's like double that age. But, yeah, but, but similar still, issue, the exact same issue. Of, Why? Yeah. And I don't know. And, 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 you know, this connects to a lot of the connections between Christianity and, and Plato and Platonism and how Christians tried to incorporate Plato and his views of the forms and and, and stuff into their ideas. Um, and I think there's like, there's a mistake underlies both uh, where, you know, Plato also favored too much the world of the forms and disregarded our, the material world of our senses. Maybe it's getting a little uh, weird, but. Hey, I'm learning over here, man. Cause I don't know my. Well, I just think it's a similar, I mean, this in some ways, Aristotle can be read as bringing Plato down from the clouds, right? Like, Okay. You know, emphasizing again the worldly, the human, the material, uh, the senses, um, and not and, and rejecting that kind of denial, like self denial and self negation in a way that comes with a lot of these doctrines that I dislike and, and think is bad. Wow, we really, uh, <laughs> we really just tackled all of humanity now. Yeah, we, we figured it out. Um, this is our last podcast. There's no yeah, final word. Everyone, you can stop making content. The era of content is over. Uh, that sounds nice, unfortunately, at this point. Uh, no more <laughs> Too content. much content. I mean, this is a podcast, but... 
Yeah, we're literally making content right We're now. literally making a podcast. It's disgusting. We're content creators. Do you, do, oh, is that what you say to people when they ask them, what do you do? Oh, I'm a content creator. No, I say I'm a writer and editor, kind of, and then I change the subject, usually. Yeah, I say I'm a writer, and then they ask me of what, and I say, like, uh, philosophy, and then they change the subject. <laughs> That's pretty <Perfect>. common. That's pretty common. But I've always wanted to kind of say, like, I'm a content creator. That's because it sounds annoying, but yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's like the worst possible answer. I feel like I, I, I hope I'm never worse than an influencer. I mean, oh that, no, that's worse. I should say I'm an influencer. Yeah, that's true. You could be you could be a philosophy influencer. Do we have those? Philosophy Check. influencer. I'm just imagining a beach and like Instagram, but I don't know how we're gonna get the philosophy uh-huh. in there. You can make it happen. Just a little, it, like a little quote, like up in the corner of the picture. <laughs> I love this idea. <laughs> Please do that. I will. I will follow you. I will learn. I don't use Instagram though. No, I I, st- I love Instagram actually, but I'm afraid yeah. of Mark Zuckerberg following me, so I stopped. Oh, he's been I love following Instagram you. Not because of all the like hotties that are supposed to make you feel bad, but for like um, usually like cute plushes like posing in front of various international locales. Like that was the Instagram that filled me with joy. Sure, but I miss it. Sure, that's exactly what i expected you to say uh yeah 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 i missed that um i'm we'll sorry for your loss new social media since uh, twitter is clear now do we uh well social media is the worst and it's pretty great so that's true i mean we would barely interact if it wasn't for social media same yeah. i think of all the great people that i've met via social media either actually yeah. eventually really but or just like chatted with for years yeah. i think some people never use twitter the way i did where i just like like oh it's that guy again like you know responding to me i'll respond like just like i don't know yeah you can create a little circle of of buds not like friends maybe maybe sometimes but not okay. but mostly mostly buds i mean did we get to know each other no i mean when we met in person did we already interact on twitter we, I think, were Facebook friends before. Oh, we were. But you're, I, I don't know. I added a bunch of people on Facebook. I mean. Yeah, but uh, most of them weren't as good as me, so. This uh, is true. This is true. Uh, I met some libertarians and anarchists that I met on Tumblr first, which was wild. Whoa. Tumblr. Tumblr. Last decade. Tumblr. <laughs> really taking it back. Yeah. The Tumblr libertarian. Which sphere. is not the reputation of Tumblr if it has one by at all. <laughs> I mean. Tumblr is supposed to be where all the things, you know, all the, what they call woke or whatever they decide to call it next, uh, came from Tumblr. It started there before it ever moved to Twitter, I think. Sure, 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 sure. It started, um, you know, with, uh, German philosophy and then, (laughs) and then went to Tumblr because they were all on Tumblr and then, (laughs) and then the percolated the rest of the culture. I'm German and I was on Tumblr. And here we go. Oh, there you go. You're the wokest among them. Now that now the Hitler painting makes sense. Oh no, I don't have a Hitler painting. I swear. I'm going to tell people you have a collection of Hitler paintings. I mean, now whether that means it's paintings Hitler painted or paintings you made of Hitler, I'll oh, leave up to them those, to decide. One of those is worse. One of those is much worse. What if they're paintings you made of Hitler, like dying gruesome deaths in the guillotine and in submersibles under the ocean? Someone's someone maybe has done that. Someone's working on that. Someone's right got. Now. I just gave him the idea. Now the AI will be listening and they'll like zoom it up. You know, send it to us. Um. 
Um, well, we didn't get to some other stuff that maybe will keep a little more than unfortunate rich people under the ocean. Um, uh, well, we've had a pretty meandering little... Uh, we're over an hour, wow. I know, but I actually, I think we solved many of philosophy's greatest questions. So we did, we did. I don't know what we'll do next time. Never going to solve some kind of disease or... Solve the disease. Yeah, for sure. I'll put that on my list, my to-do list. Solve the disease next month. Um, but maybe we should. I keep because I keep seeing comments. Are, do people not like that we go over an hour? Because the whole point is we flout the rules. I thought. I mean, I commented on YouTube for the algorithm that it was Lucy and Corey's anti for the algorithm anti power in twenty minutes um, or something. So anti power hour in twenty minutes. Yeah. yeah, it's not as it's a little more unwieldy, but you know we I can put a little parentheses in the logo, like underneath, like little text and twenty minutes. Oh yeah, make Steven or anyone else do more work. That's that's what I hope. Well, that's my goal in life. Me too, actually. Yeah, that's why we work so well together. <laughs> um, well, we should we should end with something fun. I didn't get yeah. to to talk about how I'm sad that Daniel Ellsberg died because Daniel Ellsberg Rip. was a very cool human that I had kind of a terrible interview with a couple years ago because he's very smart. And slightly domineering interviews, but was also mm. well. Okay, I read great. An American hero, and I was very tempted if he hadn't been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Fuck that shit. A couple months ago, I would have been tempted to try to get him on the non-Serbian podcast. Holy shit! Um, and I almost, even the last few months, I almost was like, uh, I'm not gonna. You know what? It's it's okay. I got him. Yeah, it's tough. You know, because he, he he was doing a lot of anti-nuke stuff, like right until the end stuff, and I just right. I hate that uh, Henry Kissinger is outliving him. That sucks. Um, this is true. Have you thought about getting him on the non-serving podcast? Henry Kissinger. Yeah. Has that been on your radar at all? Um, you know, non-serving podcast is usually not as contentious as that. We discussed me talking to people that are terrible, which is what this like podcast who? is. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, I've had fun That's interviewing. Right. I walked into that. I had a lot of fun interviewing people that suck. Um, oh, I know. It's like your favorite people to interview, I think. Because I'm not scared of them. It's I know. Like, I love it. Because you, you interviewed uh, Sheriff Joe. Yeah, exactly. Who was also Big one. a ridiculous old man, but a terrible one. Um, yeah, like, who? Well, what's to be scared of? Fucking, I interviewed Milo Yiannopoulos when I was, like, legitimately drunk. Oh, yeah. And I did a great job. I remember that. I remember, <laughs> I remember that person. Good people are scary, though, because you want to be smart and you don't want them to... That's kind of a lovely attitude, really. Like, I'm not scared of evil people. I don't care what they think of me, but good people. I should try to keep that keep that alive. But um, Daniel Ellsberg was very cool. And yeah, people should go read your interview with him. It wasn't on reason. It was on reason. Yeah, that's people should read his very scary book about nukes. Um, it's 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 legitimately scary. It made it made me wonder how I got to be born at all because there are so many yeah. troubling close calls. close calls. Yeah, and also. Let's fucking support Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden, people who are the new Daniel Ellsberg, who are yeah. more... I saw a bunch of people tweeting, including John Cusack, about how people, you know, who said they supported Ellsberg hated all the new whistleblowers. And I genuinely think it's because Ellsberg was safely in the past, even though he kept his yeah. his shit going and, was, and supported all those other people. Ellsberg was done. He led to a good Supreme Court case about free speech. He's not threatening. If, if somebody leaks now... Yeah. You have to find, you know, 
you have to find a side for that and, and what you think about it. And yes. it's scary when it's now instead of safely in the past. So I just think people people fall to that. That's a great it's point. Easy. It's very status yeah. quo y. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's uh, true. Um, so R.I.P. Daniel Ellsberg. And also I saw Taylor Swift and I'm still remembering from the <laughs> No. Shit, shit, dude. Was she in the? Uh, so... No. I'm not keeping up. Oh, you saw that her. Was my all too um abrupt segue, so that we could end with something positive. Um, it depends on your opinions on Taylor Swift. It does. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm a centrist. Like, I, centrist. I like some of her songs for sure. I don't really know much about her as a person. I don't have opinions about them. I mean, I think she's like a sort of, you know, a very rich very she's very rich i mean very mean no oh, just, cool. um, <laughs> i can see that <laughs> i just mean to you personally concerts and this is the biggest concert it's like seventy thousand people it was crazy Holy um a very duality of man and duality of my feelings towards man at a, at a good concert because it's the happiest purest we're all in this together we're all happy and somebody's annoying multiple people are annoying and I hate them. Why are they so like selfishly yakking? Why can't they like appreciate this on as many levels as I am? I hate them. Woo, this is the best thing ever. So it's very, Yeah, it's that's the eternal stuff. struggle with concerts. Yeah. Also like movies, I feel like. Movies, I at least, I mean, I, I I don't care for that, but you you know, you can duplicate that. A concert, you mostly can. Oh, that's, no, that's fair. Like you can watch yeah. a movie at home. But oh, I mean, sorry, I just mean like people talking in the theater, on their phone in the theater. Yeah. But yes, concerts, obviously. I mean, you could record a concert and just watch it at home, though. Like I think care. a lot of people do that, which I also find a little weird. I am not fun to go to concerts. I'll... My friends, like, I, most of them eventually pick up that, like, I'm not going to talk that much. I'm not going to pick up my phone that much. I want you all to be quiet so I can... Yeah, well, that's why you're there. I don't know. I think I'd like going to a concert. We should go to a concert. Maybe, like, Brian Adams or something. Uh... Brian, Ryan, whichever one gets there first. Um... Well, Diane and what are other names that kind of rhyme? I don't know. I think I agree though. People are on their phones a little. Like I'll I'll take some pictures throughout the right, night. And I be like a couple. a couple, and then maybe I'll record a minute of like my favorite song, like at most. But like mm-hmm. people that are like Snapchatting their friends or TikToking, you know, I'm not really up to up on these screen days. Chat, but, but screen all throughout the concert, yeah. Funny. Well, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, the, right. face, the FaceTime is even worse. Yeah, but just like. If you he have your phone out, confused. I don't even know if he liked uh-huh. Taylor Swift, but his mom was still like screaming at him on video chat. Oh god! <laughs> I like if your phone is out for more than like forty percent or fifty percent of the concert, it's too much. I'm gonna give you a side eye. But honestly, at this point, even that doesn't bother me as much. It's just like some songs are quiet, or prettier, or sadder. Don't talk over it as soon as it gets quiet enough to talk. Like it's. Oh, so I hate annoying. that. Yes, that is the worst. But like, I mean, it was it was a good show. It was well worth it to be a million That's miles cool. away to pay money. Um, and she is pretty legit, you know. So cool. And and like That's people fun. traded bracelets with strangers. Everybody, almost everybody was super nice. Like it was a good human moment. Um, That's good. So I recommend it. That's good. I don't think I'm gonna see Taylor Swift, but um, she's behind you. Watch out! You have a cowl on, Taylor. <laughs> Um, I uh, I saw Paramore. Uh, oh really? A couple weeks ago, a big fan of Paramore. That was a lot of fun. I never saw that before. 
Um, I don't really know them. I was just looking up um, a couple of their songs yesterday. Oh, yeah. It was like yeah. a free association from Taylor Swift to Olivia Rodrigo to Paramore. <laughs> huh. So like, um, but yeah, I, I've actually wondered about Paramore for a while. And I've in fact purchased hair dye from <laughs> Haley Williams's hair. Yeah, I know she sells me. her own. Yeah. yeah. So I'm more experienced with her on my head than in my ears. <laughs> yeah. I've been listening to Paramore for years. Um, and uh, yeah, they're a lot of fun, a lot of fun in concert. Tons, Just like tons generally of... pop punk. I mean, uh, so their early stuff was was very much pop punk, and I and I really like pop punk, so I have I loved it as a kid. But they've definitely evolved over the years um, to um, much less punk, but oh, yeah. also to a bit of a weirder sound. I really I really appreciate the the way they've kind of changed. Their last two albums have have been more interesting, both musically and lyrically, um, and there and there's kind of a fun, almost like um, like a funky sound to it. It's uh, some okay. of their stuff. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I don't know if you would like it, but but yeah, I saw them, and there's and a fairly good chance I would. At least that's not, you know, that's in the neighborhood. I think if you like Taylor Swift, maybe you'd like stuff off their new album okay. that came out like last year, I think, called like This Is Why. Um, but yep, yeah, I've been thinking lately I need to get into more just more artists because concerts are such a joy. Um, they are wild and not like I think I got a slight cold, I don't think I got COVID, but. Oh, yeah, that's there's good. There's still that factor, but for sure, a lot of people I liked died or broke up in the last couple of years. So, dude, I it's need such to find a... some new people that I love enough, and I really can't. <laughs> fake it. Like there was one opener, and I wanted to be like, be nice to the openers, but like I was kind of like, oh sure, yeah, yeah, you know, the eternal struggle like... of people dying and then having to find new people to spend your life with. And I mean, uh, I saw Ralph Stanley once, and he was. 85 when i 85, saw 85 holy, <laughs> holy shit i mean i saw we saw blondie who i absolutely adore and she's like in her 80s i think so early, like a couple months ago that's weird that they could be yeah <laughs> and she's on stage she was dancing she was so lively for a woman in her 80s i think she's in her 80s all right we have check i don't check i mean <laughs> oh i got check right now um i often I often ask people, uh, I think a really fun question is like, who, what band or artist would you, from the past, would you see that you can't see anymore? If you could see one, if you could go back in time and see one. All right. Debbie Harry is 77 and she was born oh, my Angela mistake. Trimble, which is weird. That's a, that's not a bad name. Okay. We learned. We're learning. Yeah. Well, it's not the, never the real names. Sometimes. Um, I still, even though. My Clash obsession was like 15, 16, 17. I still, I mean, they they were awesome. So they'd be pretty high on my list if I got to time travel. Like uh, the Clash is a great answer. Yeah, that's a great. Joe answer. Strummer was was so legit. Um, but there's a lot of weird country, like fucking. Actually, how about fucking Hank Williams? You know, somebody that. Ooh, that's a fun answer. Somebody who didn't last that long but was fucking amazing. Yeah. If I had so, a time yeah. machine, I'm making a lot of stops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that, that's a great answer too. Like someone who was only around for a minute, like Jimi Hendrix or something as well. Like like just people who died young. That's I've never actually thought about that kind of answer. That's great. That makes a lot of sense. My dad's Joplin, which is legit. Wow. That's, good. that's cool. My answer usually is like usually I would say Rush, who I just missed out on. Oh really? 
because they only broke up what a few years ago and then neil pert died but it was before i didn't do concerts for a long time they were tough for me to get acclimated to yeah, yeah. uh so i that my era of going to concerts took place after they they became an option just I missing would, is I, I hate just missing. i know that's sort of yeah so i i i've gotten really into rush uh last couple of years and uh yeah just sounds magnificent to be able to have seen them and uh live my brother and mother love them especially my brother yeah, so. yeah. i'm not very well acquainted just, just missing sucks i was when i was really just like dead pissed that joe strummer was dead i was like why couldn't i have been the world's coolest 10 year old and seen him like joe yeah. strummer and mescaleros or something yeah who died that meant, yeah oh, it's always some, somebody good you miss yeah my answer spent so much fucking money on taylor swift just you know because yeah it's worth it you know? Yeah, like once in a lifetime sort of opportunities for sure, for sure. My or answer, maybe not, but in case they are, you never know. Right, exactly. My answer a while back would have been, uh, or definitely up there would have been Bikini Kill, the '90s Ooh. Uh, Girl Ride Band. But I saw them. I saw them really? last last year. They 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 got back together and did a tour, and it was kind of mind blowing that for, for years I listened to them and was like, oh man you know, this old nineties band that is not, back, not together at all that I would love to see. And somehow they got back together. I saw them last year. It, it felt, it felt surreal to see that band uh, live, which is a lot of fun. Was it, how many original people are left? I thought it was all the major three women. It was Kathleen Hanna at the front. And then um, I can't remember the other bandmates names. I kind of never listened to them. And I always was curious because they sounded so badass, you know, and I never really, a lot of people I haven't checked out enough. Um, that's pretty cool though. oh yeah you should i love bikini kill and kathleen hannah did some fun like a solo album too which is fun um yeah they I are seen, they're blessed i've seen a couple of 70s like it's weird because we've run out of ramones uh running low on clashes like but um i've seen x twice and that's fucking all four of the original people um whoa that's cool they are very awesome um that's great i saw stiff little fingers which is an irish punk band um, oh, irish punk show that's um, fun. I don't remember how many of the originals were there, but they were they were pretty cool. And I saw the Slits, of course, which was like half of them, including the lead singer. Um, and the mm -hmm. Slits were a very seminal lady punk band from uh, like yeah, the dawn them. of English punk in the late seventies. Yeah. So that was legit too. That's very cool. You, that yeah, huh, wow. There's so many that you can just go back and and go through, and that would have been fun. Yeah, just like oh, well. just go to Alas. go to the show. I can go to the show, even amongst those of us who are introverted. We should, you know, it's probably worth it. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, but you get used to a little more, you know, acclimate to it. It's you still tough for me moshed? sometimes. Have you moshed? No, no. I mean, maybe the closest was uh, went to an against me concert, and we were right at the front, and it got it got pretty pretty aggressive. But but. Uh, but mostly still just like trying to mostly I had my arms around around Kelly on my my wife trying to just hold kind her, of hold her steady. Yeah, endure the the waves of motion and but that that was fun. But yeah, I haven't done that in years and I'm probably I was never fully up for it, but it's funny how much like if I really love a song like you just like well sure, yeah. You just get lost in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And invariably, I would usually fall down, and some dude would just like gently throw me out of the pit. It was it was all such. <laughs> I'd love to see uh to see Lucy moshing. That sounds like a very enjoyable. I would truly be like one one to two songs for like a full set of someone I really like, and finally at the yeah. end, I'd just be like, "Wee." <laughs> <laughs> 
<sighs> well, no, well that was that was better that was more uplifting as far as I yeah well we worked it all out so a little over hour 20 that's... yeah you know what you know what? i'm feeling good about this um, i'm feeling good yeah uh this was excellent and i don't know like the people out there we're you know we're not your dancing monkeys or nothing but god knows if you want to ask us something or to us to talk about anything or whatever you know like we like the feedback we like the oh yeah that's a good idea your church you can tweet at us or send us requests of topics i guess if, everyone, if anyone really I mean, wants to it non-serving behind the scenes we've talked about having like a hotline that people can call in or something weird so like we're, yeah non-serving we're gonna... hotline you have like a red phone like <laughs> we're gonna make it more we're gonna make it more interactive even if there's like two people you know prank calling us like i'm hoping we can get right that's a great idea well prank calls are just great i love prank calls. <laughs> i'd be happy to be prank called you can prank call non-serving anytime you like yeah we'll be really happy about that <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this was a beautiful. We'll, we'll, we'll be back. In the we'll next be back. Weeks. Yeah, who knows? We'll again? I'm sure of it. All right. Goodbye for now. Bye, everyone.